0: Alright, here we are. Tuesday night again. Welcome to everybody. And uh, we're going to get started here. We have been working on. Do you know? I'm hoping you know. Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah okay, and their lives. And the unique thing about Abraham, now, we have been you probably have sang that song, Father Abraham had many sons, right? Yes. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So what does that mean? It means we're kind of like descendants from him. We're like descendants from him. How though? Because we're not physically. True. True, Jesus, through Jesus through, through sort of. Like the nations. Yeah. What is he? He is the father of of two different nations, but I don't think any of you belong to those nations. None of you are Jewish or uh, of any Arabian descent, so that I know of, maybe, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm guessing most of you aren't, all right? So how are we his sons because and daughters, but either way, his children? Spiritually spiritually, but why? That's the question. That's the question. Hmm. Well, we'll figure out what he did tonight um, as we look at him. And this is the thing about Abraham to think about. Abraham's always doing something new. Let me tell you about how that feels and you probably have some sort of experience. Way back a long time ago, one of my first real jobs I had, I guess, um, I worked for a place and we serviced restaurant equipment. On my very first day in the shop, my boss walked me in and pointed to a thing over on the wall, which is all I knew it was, a thing, big stainless steel thing, with the big circle lid on top. I didn't know what you did with it. It was a pressure fryer, come out, to find out. So like if you want to fry a whole turkey, you put it in this thing, you seal it up, and it fries it under pressure, and like in 15 minutes you can cook a whole turkey kind of thing in oil, okay? So he says, I got a gasket, you can change on this. So I literally took the gasket, and it was a round circle, and it took me about five minutes, I rolled it on. That's it. Okay? Meanwhile, I walk up to my boss who is in the front office on the telephone with Kentucky Fried Chicken. And Kentucky Fried Chicken guy says, I got a pressure fryer that's down. And <laughs> first damn job, really. <laughs> I got a pressure fryer that's down. And I need somebody to take a look at it, and there was a guy that worked there before me who apparently wasn't really very good at fixing things. So, they, and he said to him, "I don't want you to send a guy like you sent last time who doesn't know anything about it." Is it Mario? So my boss, no. <laughs> no. So my boss said, "Oh, I've got a guy that's great on pressure fryers. In fact, he's working on one right now." Oh my god <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And then a pit came in my stomach that weird feeling like okay. he's going to send me <laughs> And I don't even know what it looks like or how it works or anything about it. He's just gonna send me and he did. He said, Go get in the van and go down to KFC and look at it. And I said, I have never worked on he said, You just worked on one. I said I rolled the gasket on and then walked away. That's it, that's what I did. I said, so what's wrong with it? He said, well, it's not heating at all. Okay, so he sent me and it's that terrible feeling of something brand new, you've never seen it before, you're all on your own, there's nobody to help you. And I pulled into KFC and as I'm stepping out getting my tool bag, it's that terrible feeling of, he just told them that I'm some great guy on these things. So I walk in and KFC, by the way, looked nothing like what I had just rolled a gasket on. Great big lids, probably, probably half the size of those big tables. Um, Great big lids and handles on it, all electronic boards in it and everything. And the girl who ran the fryer said, it doesn't work. So I walked up to it. And she says, something's crooked in there. So I don't, I don't know how to get it open. I can't. <laughs> like, I can't even work on it. And I am thinking for a while, and I'm like, Mike, you sent me to this thing, and I'm going to kill you because I have no idea what to do. And the whole while, they're all staring at me, walking around, looking at everything, and there was probably eight or ten people in that kitchen, moving back and forth, and you're in their way every second. They're yelling, hot through, and they're taking hot chicken. This was like, I can't even focus on this. So I walk out to the van, and I come back in, and I get an idea. Talked to the girl. I said, "Who runs these fryers?" And she says, "I do." And I said, "Well, why don't you show me what's wrong with it?" I'm thinking. So, there she goes. <laughs> She's gonna open it, and she did. And I see her, and she pushes the handle forward and down, and pulls it, this and that. And all of a sudden, the thing pops all up, and there's the the fryer. She's like, "Yeah, I think it's in here." I'm like, excellent. <laughs> I can take screws out. <laughs> so, by the way. Though it was super nerve-wracking, I did find the broken piece, and I was able to get it fixed. We had to go order a part. Um, And I never let Mike forget that, by the way, because he sent me to that thing. Even today, when you go on those things, I, I still today, and I've been a long long time doing things in the service industry going to places restaurants I used to go to bars and fix different things and then angry people sitting at the bar looking at you why don't my, why doesn't my ice machine work like I don't know I just got here <laughs> we're mad because the beer is warm we're angry okay <laughs> I don't know what to tell you um, so those are those things where they get... A pit in your stomach and we had some hot water heaters very fancy electronic pressurized hot water heaters uh on-demand things that we've never seen before and they were in the kids apartments so i took somebody with me this time because i'm the boss and i can tell them you're coming with me okay <laughs> right? and it feels better if you have a second person with you and you don't know what you're doing because they don't know what they're doing either so In we went and we were able to work through it and learn. We spent some time there, but we were able to pull them apart and figure out, you know, I have learned some things over the years, so, but we did get that to happen. But anytime there's something new, you've never been through it before, you don't know what it feels like, you haven't experienced anything like it, it gets that terrible pit in your stomach like, what am I gonna do with this? I don't know what to do. I can't control it. I've never been through it. It's, it's nerve-wracking. And it gives you that thought, and your mind starts to run through what's going to happen. and I don't know, because we feel that way oftentimes. I think about Abraham in his life. Abraham went to a bunch of firsts. And God said, you've been living someplace for your whole life. Now get up and go where am I going? I'll tell you later. What? I don't, I don't, we stayed there. This is what we do. We live here. No, you don't anymore. You're getting up and you're going. And so Abraham got up and he went. Okay. Brand new. Sarah's going to be a mother, you know? Well, it never happened in the last 90 years. Okay. Brand new. Each thing God comes and says, go do this, go do this, go do this. Well, tonight, he gets into that ultimate spot in his life, his ultimate, to me, test in faith, all right? That place where not only does he feel like this is brand new, but he feels like, I can't possibly do this. Is there any way I heard this wrong? Is there anything else I could do? Isn't there another way? He felt like that. And I'm sure he felt like if he could do anything else that he would have chosen it, anything. But after all the promises God made and after giving him Isaac, and last week you learned about Isaac. So they have a son, Isaac. And what we see in the last chapter is there's sort of a gap in the story. We don't know how long of a gap, okay? Isaac is born in the last chapter, and we have a couple of other small events in Abraham and Sarah's life. And then all of a sudden this story shows up. We think Isaac is somewhere between 10 and 30 years old. We have no idea. Honestly, we just don't know it really doesn't matter in the story because there's so much more happening in this story but somewhere along the way you know and so we'll just say for sake of argument he's 15 alright sake of argument I don't really know Uh, he does later get married we see that story that'll come up and things like that but but pretty much we think he's somewhere around there alright so He's going to have his ultimate test. This is it. This, this is, to me, in my opinion, the ultimate test. Because of all the promises he's waited for. And here's what he has. So let's go to Genesis chapter number 22. Genesis chapter 22, verse number 1, please. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. Okay? So, uh, old English word, God tempted him. It's not tempting in the way that you think of the word tempting. Uh, I would say the word test is a better word. Okay? If you put that in there. So, God says all of a sudden, out of the blue, Abraham... Like he's calling his name. And he answers back, here I am, God. Which is weird, right? That's a weird conversation to have with God. Like God doesn't know where you are, but he's saying, I'm ready. I'm ready. He says, I'm going to test you. But he didn't really say that. He just said, Abraham, here I am. All right? Verse number two. And he said, take now thy thine only son. Okay, so here it is. Abraham, now all of a sudden, is in shock. Did, did I hear that right? You want me to take my son, which God says is your only son, the one you love. Okay, now remember, he's got two sons at this point, right? Isaac and Ishmael. And why does God say it's your only son? Does he mean it's your only physical son? No it's, no, it's the only one that was out of God's will. Okay, so uh, it's he is the unique son. Right? The unique son. Just like just like Jesus is called the only begotten son of God. Okay? And just just like Abraham's son Isaac, Jesus is unique. We are also all called the sons of God, okay? We're all called that. And we are joint heirs with Christ, through God. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things, but it doesn't mean that he's his only son in that. not he's, There was one and only, but there was one and only that could do what he's going to do, okay? And the one and only is the one that Abraham waited his entire life for. And now God says, okay, get up, grab him. Go take him to a mountain, one called Moriah, okay? So there's, a, there's an area of Moriah and there's a mountain range in Moriah, okay? Now think about this, just climbing a mountain is not, you know, that, that can be a big deal. When it's a whole range and it's a ways away, which is what we'll find out, uh, it's, it's a big deal to do this, all right? Take him you're going to offer him as a burnt offering to me. Now Abraham knows exactly what that means because a burnt offering means you go, like he has done many times before, with animals. He has taken a ram or a lamb, and he takes a knife, and he slits his throat and kills it, and then he burns it and offers it to God on a fire. That's what it means. Which, in your mind, should say, What? Wait a minute. I thought God said, Don't kill. I thought God said, Isn't that one of the Ten Commandments? Isn't it? Except, guess what? No Ten Commandments when Abraham was there. Abraham's before that. Abraham, really, everything is new to him. Everything. There's nothing. He literally was in a family that believed totally in other gods. And God said, you believe in me? You don't know anything about me, but get up and follow me. I'll give you a son. I'll give you this land. I'll give you descendants that will number as the sands of the sea. Okay. I'll give you them. Because I'm telling you and I'm going to show you who I am. And you're going to have to believe. And that's all you have. Just to believe. You don't have anything written down. You don't have anything. book of Genesis occurred before, okay? Lots of parts of Genesis occurred before Abraham's birth. But it was not written down until Moses came along. And there already was Abraham and all of his sons and the 12 tribes of Israel. And they'd already been through, okay, they'd been through Egypt and they had been slaved in Egypt. All of that passed before these, the first books of, of the Bible got written down. So Abraham's just flying solo. He's just out there, which makes him unique, Okay. Put what I felt when I got sent on the pressure fryer by 10,000 and you still haven't felt what Abraham has felt, that pit in your stomach every time God says, oh, I got something for you to do, Abraham. Oh, man. What's next? And it intensified. First is just get up and leave. Okay, well, not a lot of consequence. I could always come back, you know. And, and then the whole, the second one's all about God, about the promise of the son, Okay, the big one. But then, now that you have the son, go up and kill him. Wait a minute. This one's, this one's, I can't turn that back. Right? I can't just go back home. Like, if I kill him, it's over. So the point is this. This is the journey part. All right? Probably most of you already know all the endings. It is not the ending that mattered for Abraham. It's the journey up to the moment. That's what the big deal is. That's where Abraham's faith comes in. And if you are going to be a real follower of God, you can take all the things that we have in church and all the form and the ceremony and all the things we do that we love and they're good traditions and all that stuff. And you can throw them out the window if you don't have an ounce of faith. And it has to be real and raw. And I don't just mean, I believe in Jesus. No, no, no. I mean something real enough to affect your life. Would you get up and go do something that God called you to do? How much? Where's your breaking point? What's the end? What's the last thing you would do? Is it too much to do this? So what's Abraham's response? Okay. And the next verse is where we begin to see what Abraham's real response is. So God says, go do it. Now, in his mind, is he thinking, "Uh, well, I got this other son, Ishmael. Maybe he's the one, but God was very clear. Here's what I want you to do. Go and do this. Go and do this. All right. Verse number three. Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and laid the wood with burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. All right. Do you think he wants to go? No. No. I don't think he wants to go at all. I think this is the last thing he's ever wanted to do in his whole life, and if he could stop it in any way, he would. But he also has learned bit by bit by bit in his life that this God's the only real God. This is the shot I have in this life. This is it. So I either follow what he tells me or I don't. But I think he's angry. And I think he is so focused on what he's trying to do because all he can do is think. It says he got up early in the morning. Was he excited to go? No, he's not excited to go. What he's doing is he probably hasn't slept all night because he's thinking about this all night. What is it that he's telling me to do? Are you sure I got this right? Maybe I missed one of the words. Maybe God didn't really mean that. Maybe he means spiritually to do this. Maybe he means, I don't know. But it was very clear. God's exact, I want you to go here and I want you to do this with this son. Very clear. So he gets up. Now, I want you to think about this. Abraham was one of the richest men and this is actually verified in other archaeological uh, digs and things they found uh, references and things about abraham he was one of the richest men in the whole area he's got servants and probably a lot of them and what's the first thing he does early in the morning up. gets up and then <laughs> he saddles the donkey himself Now, doesn't he have service to do it sure get the donkey ready i don't even want to but when you are so distraught about something sometimes you go through the motions of things just kind of to not have to think about them, about what's on your mind what's in front of you people almost turn things off. You see this when people pass away. When someone has been with somebody else for a long long time like they've been married for 50 years, a lot of times it is very difficult for them to even function in reality but they just kinda keep going through the motions of what they've done forever because it's the most comfortable place they can think to be. They hate what they're going through but they have no choice and so I think Abraham is there he gets up, it's early. you get up, I'm gonna saddle my donkey. I'm gonna go out, and then what does he do next? He gets the wood. Specifically, what does it say? It's that old English word. Clave, the word. What? Clave, what's a clave? You cut it? Um, does that like make it, square like, clear it off? Or something? Actually, clave is also a word we, like, cleave. Okay, and if you cleave something, you split it okay if you if you clave wood you split it now no doubt he probably had some but he had to have dry wood so it's probably already cut a lot of it and he's splitting wood how many of you ever split wood by hand probably well, just a few <laughs> okay it is not an easy thing but it's a mindless thing right you just do it and you keep doing it and you can beat your body to death as hard as you want on one little piece of wood. If you have something with knots in it, and you beat and you beat and you beat and you beat on it, and sometimes it just just doesn't even want to crack. Put an axe into it and again and again and again I have split thousands of pieces of wood by hand, okay? And sometimes they pop right open easy and other ones you just beat on it and beat on it, and it's Something where if you want to think about something else or not think about something else and just focus on that wood It's one of those mindless tasks where you can just go about it. And that's where I think Abraham's in this mode. It's like a soldier Getting ready. He knows the battles coming that day. Let's just get up and get this over with. Let's go out and fight and get this done with. I know this is gonna be terrible and I really don't want to go through it but I'm going to so let's just get this done so he does immediately I don't he's obedient but I don't think he's happy okay he's not splitting wood with a smile he is out there and he's really and this is what's good about the Bible there's no fake things People aren't perfect Christians. There's not a one of them in there. There's only, I think, two people written in the Bible that don't have sins attributed to them, specific stories about them, okay? But the majority of everybody else has a whole bunch of bad things. Even the best people have really bad things. King David was one of the best friend of God. He's got a life with sin, terrible things he did, Okay? Abraham is just real and raw, and he's just there, just doing it. And that's the way real faith is. It's not some neat packaged thing. It is a battle for your soul, and it feels bad a lot of times. It's not what you want to do. You don't want to get up and do this. But when God says, Here's what we're going to work on next. Most of the time, it's the very last thing on your list. After I get everything else in my life done, I'll go back to that thing. And God says, no, this is what we're going to do. Because God knows you, and he knows me, and he knows what we need, and he knows what challenges us. Because we'll never pick the thing that challenges us. We'll go to the easier thing first. It's just our nature. It's human nature. So what's the very biggest thing that's going to challenge Abraham? Take your son, the one you waited for your whole life, take him up to the mountain and burn him. Kill him and burn him, for me. Sounds grotesque, even. But God is not asking for you to judge him, he's asking for you to obey. And that's what he wants. And that's why it's just real. And Abraham is going through the motions, and he doesn't feel it, okay? It isn't some great, oh, how wonderful I'm obeying God today. I think he's probably angry. I think he's probably upset, and he's frustrated, and he does not know what's really going on, all right? So, next verse, verse three and four, did we get to, uh, we did three, okay, verse four. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Okay, so we got all our wood cut and we headed off. We have now marched for three days before we even see the mountain. Mountains are usually the first thing you see on the horizon, right? Because they're big, they're tall, they stick up above the horizon. So Abraham and his two servants and Isaac have now walked for three days. So that's at least maybe if they go three miles an hour for eight hours in the day, okay? We'll say that's 25 miles a day to round it off. 75 miles they've walked, okay? Just to see the mountain, not to get there yet, just to see it in the distance. So they've been walking for some time. All the while, Abraham carrying the wood and a knife that he's going to kill his son with, thinking about this I'm sure there wasn't a lot of words said for three long days he's thinking but here's one thing to pay attention to in the text how does he know which mountain he's going to? God would tell him. God's going to speak to him which means God has at least talk to him somewhere once along the way, saying, "That's the one." I'm guessing when they finally crested over the horizon, those mountains, and they said, "Those are it." God spoke to him and said, "Go that to that one." And in that point, he's probably hoping maybe this is all just something we're going to turn around. Ha ha! Look at that! Look, at, I went up and did this, and God says, "No, go to the mountain. That's the one." Okay. So it becomes more real when he's first, when he sees the mountain in front of him. That's the hard thing. There, it's coming. It's coming. So from there on, verse 5, 6, and 7, let's pick up there, please. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the donkey, and I and, and, and I am and the lad." And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spent unto Abraham his father, and said, My father, and said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood that wears the lamb for burnt offering. Okay, so here it is right? Isn't that like the saddest thing that anybody ever asked you? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so we don't know again how old is he, 15, 12, 30, I don't know, but he knows to say, hey, you got, I got the wood, right? You got the knife. No. It kind of sounds like a 14, kind of like a 13-year-old a bit, like kind of cool. Maybe, right, maybe. So, and he's got the fire in his hand, which means they're carrying coals because you don't make fire. You carry some sort of coal or stick that you keep going to get fire going there. And that's with lots and lots of tribes where, you know, they don't have matches. They got to have, so Abraham's got fire. He's got the knife. And Isaac's got the wood, and they're walking just alone. He's like, the servants just stay here. Sometimes they might have, like, bear wax with a bit of wolf for a tie around on a stick to lay on the fire from two rocks and against each other. They could, but uh, what we know of is he's already carrying the fire, okay? So, so, off they go. And he asked that question, right? Hey, what about uh, about the lamb? Yep. Now, I don't think Abraham wanted to show him how much pain he's in, but you can bet the first thing that came out of him was tears and not, oh yeah, all right, because now it's getting really, really real. Now, I don't know if they've come halfway up the mountain yet. I don't know if they've got to the base of the mountain when he asked this. It doesn't really say. But as they go, they continue on their way, all right? And it is interesting, whether he just said it or meant it specifically, it says, we're going to go off and worship, and we'll both come back. The boy and I, the lad and I, we'll, we'll come back, okay? That shows a bit of his faith. And why is it faith? Because he has no idea how this is going to end. He has no idea. No way to know. I know what God's told me to do. I'm going to do it. And it looks really bad. And it looks like there's no way out. But I'm going to go do it. Verse 8 through 10, please. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And so, there he is. Tears are probably coming down as he's building an altar. Because now, we're at the place it's going to happen. Time's gone by, God has not given me an out he's not told me good enough Abraham good enough you're all set okay okay I'm doing it I'm I'm putting the rocks out God I'm building a fire God do you see me <laughs> right. Like stuff is <laughs> right at this point he binds up Isaac tying him why is he tying him? he can't get away he can't get away because does he know what's going to happen? I don't know. Well, Clearly at this point, something is... He's got some suspicion. Wait a minute! <laughs> right now, in reality, probably be screaming. Right! So, what is going on? We don't know what happened. Did he plead for his life? Did he think, Does my father even love me? Does he care for me? What is this all about? He's going to try to murder me? What's going on with this? Why are you tying me up? We don't know any of the conversation that happened there. Perhaps he's thinking, oh God, I'm not snack Right, and, and he might be. He does not know. Again, no Ten Commandments to say, Moses said thou shalt not do this. It's just, you follow what I said to do. And So he's here, with a knife, with a fire, with his son bound over top of his son. Now I don't know what it is what that would feel like. I don't know. I have done things like my own dog that I had for 20 years. I put him down personally. Because to me it was something I didn't want some strange doctor doing. And that was a hard thing to do. You still shooting? Mm-hmm. I could never do that. I would like really, I could not do that. But I love that dog. And I didn't want him to have to do it in some stranger's place. I want him to be where he knew it and he never knew what happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Abraham's thinking in a way. How can I do this as least painful as I can? He's killed many things in his life, many animals. And so, there's probably some mechanical thing that goes through his mind of, if this knife goes, it's not just I'm jabbing him until he's dead, he wants one swift kill. This is the thing doubt going through his mind. This is real, okay? At this point, this is as real as it gets to Abraham. There is nothing else that's real. This is his whole life. He waited for this, and now it's going to happen. God is testing me. Clearly, he's gotten that message at this point. God is testing me. All right? So, but we know one thing not from this text, but if you put your finger in there, because we'll be back to Genesis, and go back to Hebrews in the way back end of the Bible. A few books before you get to the end. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. It's a section that uh, we affectionately call Heroes in Hebrews. Okay? It talks about the faith of many of the founding fathers of the, uh, that we find in the Old Testament. And Paul talks about them here and talks about the faith that they had and some of the extra things that were passed down, maybe verbally, that Paul knows about. Okay, And we find in, in verse number 17, 18, and 19, we pick up in the story what Abraham is thinking. What is he thinking at this point? All right, uh, read that wherever we left off, please. Chapter 11, Hebrews, verse 17, 18, 19. By, Abraham, or by faith, Abraham, when he was tried of, of Isaac, and he that, he that had received the promises offered of his only begotten son. Of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall they seed be called accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure this is what Abraham is thinking I don't see any way out of this he told me to kill him God's not kidding around apparently he told me to kill him so the only thing I can see is that God's going to raise him back from the dead that's the only way out. I don't know any other way. In my mind, I can't come out of it, but I do know a few things about God. And this is what you need to learn for faith about God. First thing is that God is all powerful. He is capable. God has no limit. He can do anything, even if you don't think it's possible God can always do it and it says with men it's impossible with God nothing is impossible I think that's in Matthew 19 or something with God all things are possible so Abraham knows that in his mind when 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 it seems like there's no way out I'm I'm watching for God to do something amazing okay and as you what but again He's got nobody to watch except just trust God. He's got no father that did it. He's got no other stories of people that did it. He just only knows God told him to do this. All right? But he knows that he's powerful. He, he, his son was born, and it was impossible for that to happen humanly. All right? Sarah was past childbearing age. Couldn't even do it. Not physically possible. But God made it happen. Alright, so he's capable. Second thing is, God is truthful. When he gives you a promise, it is good forever. And you may seem like you wait forever, and you may seem like it's not going to happen, but God does not change, and God does not renege on his promises. He is truthful. And Abraham knows that. Okay? And the third thing that he knows is that... He is, I'm going to use the word trustworthy, and I'm going to explain that. Because I don't just mean that, that he is truthful. Again, I don't mean that. What I mean by saying he's trustworthy is that you can count on God's character to do the best for you. If you learn about God in your life and who He is to you, if He's real to you, if you go through something real with Him, and you have real faith and you do something real with God, you will find that though the moves that He makes seem like sometimes outrageous and impossible and and unreachable, and even like they would hurt you, He turns them into a way where it actually blesses you. If you follow Him, He blesses you. He changes things. Something that looks ominous, He can create a new situation, and He's been already working on it all along. So He's trustworthy. So Abraham has learned these things about God, and he says, here's what I know. I know that God's all, he's capable of doing anything. He's always kept his promises, and he has promised me that Isaac would be, and I would be the father of many nations through Isaac. God promised it to me. So if he kills him, he has to do something different. He can't just kill him. And he always has done what we've cared. He's cared about me. He's always taking care of me and giving me the best. So with these, the only conclusion I can come up with is that God's going to have to raise him from the dead. And there was his faith. God will take care of this because of who he is. I can trust him implicitly trust him, even when my situation seems impossible. It was not the raising of the knife, although that was no doubt very real and he was a second away from trying to finish his son off in the most humane way I guess you could think of, doing what God told him to do, a second away as he stood with the knife overhead. And then he's thinking, I don't see any other way out of this, but God has to come in and change this. God will have to reverse it. He told me to do it, so I'm gonna do it. That's why Abraham got counted to, you, to him as faith. Because he walked to the edge of the cliff. And if God says jump off, he jump off. All right. There was a man named John Patton years ago. Just reminds me of this. He was a missionary to the South Sea Cannibals. um, And these cannibals tried to kill him many times. He lived amongst them. And he'd wake up sometimes in the middle of the night, and there they are, standing over him, going to try to kill him. Well, one night he was being chased off. They had guns, these cannibals. And they were chasing him down the mountainside to the edge of a cliff and he got to the edge of a cliff and there was the ocean below rocky and he said to god i'm at the end i got nowhere else to go god said jump and (laughs) that's real all of a sudden like Oh, okay, so do I jump and die because God's going to do something with these? I don't know. Do I jump and God's going to save me? I don't know. Do I jump and I break all my legs and arms and I have to recover? I don't know. I have no answer. I have no answer what he's going to do. I just know he told me what to do. That's what faith comes down to. In your life, somewhere you come up to that precipice, that edge, where God says, do this. That's your moment that defines your life. That's whether you believe or not. That's whether you stand amongst the heroes of Hebrews or not. And I'm not saying you're going to be famous for it until you walk into heaven someday and God says, that one's the faithful but that's what defines what god says the people will get to heaven because they believe god is capable god is truthful god is trustworthy and they will walk off a cliff if need be Wait, what happened to that guy? <laughs> he lived he went back to live with those same cannibals oh, again he jumps Mm-hmm. And he he jumped. And he he went God. back to <laughs> live with them because <laughs> it's not stupid because God used that to turn people's hearts. So if people became not cannibals. Eventually they did. Oh, it took his that. lifetime, but they did. they did. Imagine filtering them into society and they're like, I was a cannibal. <laughs> right. right. And they're like okay. Yeah. Very. <laughs> like so yeah, very so very different, very different. But God has put our lives in different places and said, and the faith is the very same. It is just as real. You may never stand in front of a cliff physically, but somewhere spiritually, you're going to get to a decision and it's either going to be real or not. You're going to make it for the faith and the trust you have in God or not. You're going to believe that God in our country today, despite all the circumstances, despite all the evil, despite all the things that are there, that God is capable of doing things, that he is truthful and all his promises will come true, and that he is trustworthy and he cares for you. You're going to either believe it or not. Even if all the news and all the things you read and look at don't feel like it. Faith, that's where faith gets built. Okay? So let's turn back to Genesis. So we finish up this story. We have a couple things to do. Uh, verse 11 through 14. I'll read that, and then we'll go on. And the angel of the Lord called out to him. Here he is with a knife. Out of heaven. So God called heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am, okay, yeah, God, this is a little late. Last, not just the 11th hour, we're talking the 11th hour, 59 minutes and 59 seconds, okay? And God often works that way. He lets us wait to the last moment just to know that he can do it, all right? And many other reasons, too, all right? Here I am. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Okay, so goats don't get stuck in their horns, all right? That doesn't happen, right? (laughs) Oops, I got stuck. They just don't get stuck with their horns. That's not, I mean... It would have to be chased directly into the thicket or maybe... It was even different. that. Goats run through, deer run through, the the thickest brush. You can't even stand in the brush that a deer can run through. And he's got a big set of horns that go the wrong way, right? If they were the other way, where they'd be with the <laughs> with the stuff, but they don't get caught. Perhaps it was head going something and its head went slow down and it did get caught. Maybe God says, you go over there. It wouldn't matter if that goat was standing still and let Abraham go right to it, okay? Abraham said, you gave me a substitute. Now, God always has more things he's doing than what at first appears. Yes, he's testing Abraham. Yes, he's saying, go and do this faithful thing. But he is showing something major to Abraham that will define his people and the people of the world in time to come. A substitute in place for the sacrifice of your son. He also had a unique position to say, this is your only son, and you gave him up for love of God. Did not put him first. But because of love. Love directly for God. You did it. Alright. And God said. And he says. I'm going to name this place Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means this. Okay, It says it there. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Or in other words. You will see God's way. When you're at the top of the peak. When you're at the moment of ready with a knife to go that's often the times when God will say here's the way I had for you you needed to learn the whole way to get there you needed to climb in your faith you needed to get to that point and then I will show you the way I will provide I will give you a substitute and I bet you Abraham was never so happy to sacrifice an animal and kill something in his whole life as he did that moment Alright? And they worship God. He has learned. He has changed. What he has done, he has changed. Alright? They worship him. He provides a substitute. And then God goes on. Verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the heaven a second time and said, By myself have I sworn, said the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice." So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. So here it is. I'm going to doubly bless you because you obeyed me. And that's a wonderful story. And Abraham, that was counted faith for him because he did what God said when it looked bad. When it looked impossible. When he said, I don't think that's right, God, but he did it and God showed a way and by doing that the interesting thing that happened that old mountain called Mount Moriah tradition goes that that was one of the highest peaks on around where a famous city called Jerusalem was of course Jerusalem wasn't built at that time exist. And on the highest peak there was a place that the Romans did things to people that they wanted to make sure everybody saw what they did. Now originally Solomon built the temple there but the temple was destroyed and on the final top the top tip-top little peak of it It was a place where the Romans said, we'll show you what we do to people who disobey. They put crosses up on there and had regular crucifixions. Mount Moriah is the same as Golgotha. The very same mountain. The very same peak. Because on that same mountain Years later, God's plan was this. When you go to that mountain, I'll show you the mountain. I'll show you the place where you go and you stop. I will show you that I am going to provide a substitute. I will show you. You have felt what it is like to give your own son. And I won't make you do it. But I want you to know that I will give my own unique son, the only begotten son, I will give him on that mountain someday his life. And I will not call out of heaven and say stop. I will do that for the love of all the people that had faith, that believed. And it will be faith like yours, Abraham, that will make many sons of faith. That's why we are sons, because If you have faith like Abraham, if you have the ability to trust in God, that he is capable, he's truthful, he's trustworthy in any situation, even when it looks terrible, when it looks impossible, if you can believe that and you can live like that, not just say it, but live like it, he says, then you're one of Abraham's sons. You got there by that. Spiritually, you become his son because that's what mattered. Okay? That's how God looks amongst the groups of people in the world and says, that's a believer, that's a believer. He's my son, he's my son, he's my son. Those are the ones I'm going to protect. That's how he makes the definition. By faith. That's what it says. You believe God's promises. That's what it is. Nothing else. Alright? So, on that same mountain... God sacrificed His only Son. And if we believe like Abraham, if we stand up in faith, no matter what the situation, God will bless it. And God will show us, if it's the last second, He'll show us that there's a way. And He's already had a plan. Even when it looks bleak, he's, He had a plan. He's already been working on a plan before we were ever born. He knows what's going to happen. He's just looking for you to say, God, I'm going to get a little closer to you this time. I don't feel it, because that's not always what faith is about, feeling spiritual. Faith is about doing, because God says, here's where I want you to go. Here's the promise I want you to believe. And you believe it, even when all the world tells you no. That's what faith is. All the world says, that's not the truth. God says it's the truth. Everybody else can be a liar, but God is the truth, all right? That's faith. That's what we see with Abraham, okay? His life is defined by a very few things that we know about. We see a few of these stories, just he believed those few promises in his life. That's what made him stand out gave him faith and gives you the opportunity and me the opportunity to be the sons of Abraham through faith. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You are dismissed.